Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and friend, I am so glad that you are here, back here again today. We've been doing a series on deep faith questions, and I'm very excited for today's conversation. Before I introduce today's guest, I do want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to check out the Deep Faith Questions resource that's available on my website at JanelleWood.com or FindingSomethingReal.com. It's designed as a resource for you if you are wanting to engage in conversations about faith with people and even if, and I I say this in the intro, but especially if uh, they come from a different faith background than you. Um, I've been thinking that personally lately, in fact, I was talking to today's guest's wife about this yesterday, that it's very easy to go inward during this time, um, to just want to stay in my little personal comfort bubble and avoid the hard things that are going on in the world right now and the hard conversations and just disengage Um, But as a believer, and I guess I share this to other believers who are listening right now, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to go out into the world and be a light. And so this questions resource, um, it's been designed to be outward focused um, as a sort of catalyst for conversations about finding something real. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago in one of my weekly podcast recaps that I do on Instagram Live on Fridays, When we love on and share our faith with people who have deep questions about faith, sometimes it can feel kind of scary, but it's so empowering um, and powerful. And so um, if you're feeling inward today and you want maybe an antidote to that, I just want to encourage you to check out that resource and maybe start a conversation with a friend. So today's guest is a local friend, speaking of friendships. He's married to an amazing woman who shared her heart about identity and worship on this podcast last fall, season one, episode 12, if you want to check that out. Um, Today's guest is a dad to three. He works at the hospital here in town during a pandemic, if that tells you anything about him. (laughs) And he still finds time to do local ministry, either behind the scenes, doing sound tech or setup, or probably a bunch of other things that I have no idea that he does or up front doing some occasional preaching as well. 
I've always been impressed by his heart for God and for his desire to dive deep into researching scripture and the word of God for himself. And so I'm very excited to welcome him to the podcast. Welcome, John Dommel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that you came on and I'm glad that we got past the tech issues so we could be here. Yeah, that was fun, no. <laughs> well, John, uh, let's just dive right in. Um, I will say before we get started that I did something with this podcast episode that I've never done before, which is I allowed my guest to pick the question that we were going to talk about. And I didn't know what we were going to talk about until right before we started recording. And so um, before we get to that question and all of that, I just would like for you to share with whoever is listening today um, how you came to faith and was your following Jesus a part of your DNA or is it something that um, I- I'd love to hear your story, your faith journey. Oh, that's a, that's a long story, Janelle. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor, a uh, youth pastor specifically, my mom was we were at a large church she was Sunday school superintendent um at a very young age I'd say four or five I remember sitting on this bright orange chest we had at home with my mom and praying to accept Christ um and all the time knowing I was doing it just to make her happy it wasn't genuine it wasn't real um Mm -hmm. I was a good kid I did everything tried to make my parents happy uh junior high hit and well, let's just say I went off the rails a little bit. Um, a lot of bad things. I started hanging out with the wrong crowd, doing things I shouldn't have. So for about three, four years there, I was just out, out in the world doing what I had. I mean, it got to the point where I walked in the house one Sunday morning. I'd been gone since, I think it was like Thursday night. We had a Friday off school. I'd been gone. My dad looked at me. He goes, okay, we have one role. You're going to church. Wait, wait. I missed part of that. Sorry. That's okay. I, I couldn't hear a part of that. And I'm sure whoever's listening wants to hear it as well. So can you repeat that? So one Sunday you came home and you'd been gone since Friday night? It was it was Thursday or Friday. I can't remember. It was a long, I'd been gone a really long time. And my dad looks at me and goes, I have one rule for you. You're going to church Sunday mornings. I don't care what you do during the week. I don't care what you do Saturday night. But you go in, you walk in this house Sunday morning, get dressed, we're going to church. And so... Like, all right, I, can, I think I can handle that. <laughs> um, there, uh, let's just say there were some rough Sundays for a while there in my, in my freshman year of high school and leading up to that summer. Um, also, while going to church, we had a youth pastor. My dad had stepped down from youth ministry at this point for a little bit. Um, he had had some health issues, so he was taking a, a small hiatus. And the youth pastor of the church we were going to came up to me and he was like, it's, I don't know. This is probably halfway through my freshman year. He's like, so there's this youth conference in Salt Lake City. You want to come? I'm like, no. Every Sunday for, I don't know, three, four months, he's like, there's this youth conference kids in Salt Lake City. You want to come? Like, he would call me. He was asking my mom. My mom was asking me. I'm like, all right, fine. If I agree to go, will you just get off my back? He's like, yeah. I, like, <laughs> I, won't, say, I won't say another word to you until we get ready to go on the trip. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go. Um. So I'm packing my things that Sunday morning because we left Sunday afternoon. We flew out of New Jersey, Salt Lake City. The conference started on Monday. Uh, packing my things, go to go to the church, get in the van, whatever. And we're having relatively normal conversation. I, mean, I don't like any of these people. I'm not fans of them. I'm not fans of what they believe for multiple reasons. Um, 
No, wait a second. You weren't fans of what they believed for multiple reasons. That's loaded. What Uh, does that that mean? That is loaded. And I, okay. So I grew up in this church. I grew up in the church as well. My dad being a pastor, my mom doing Sunday school stuff. Um, When probably about fourth or fifth grade, I started to notice a lot of hypocrisy in the church, a lot of things. People, especially in the leadership and saying one thing and then doing another thing. And then I think my dad was, and this, this will play into the question. My dad is what I, who I saw the most. He was a church. He was this nice, lovable guy, like great with everybody outgoing at home. He was, I mean, he was verbally abusive and borderline physically abusive. Mm. Um, it was a rough childhood. And he, I believe he was a Christian then. I believe he's a Christian now. I, I, looking back, I think some of that was my perception. He has admitted his faults and has asked for forgiveness. So he is growing in the Lord. He is so that I'm, I'm proud of that for him. But growing up was difficult for my sisters and I. It was it was not a fun place to be. And so, but it wasn't just him. I uh, I did some work for a friend doing courier services, and it was um, we had a gay bar in town, and. He had, he's like, hey, can you run this down there? Just knock on the back door and hand it to whoever answers the door. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. So I go down there. I deliver it to him. The guy who opens the door is one of the elders. Hmm. Or was one of the elders. I don't think he was an elder at the time. Um, But this is a guy I grew up with. And apparently, talking to my dad about it later, the church knew about this. And then there was discipline. But, like, I didn't see that part of it. And I don't know if he was there as a patron or if he was working or what. I didn't ask just in my mind as like a 12 year old kid, I'm like, this is a lot of crap, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know the full story. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to judge him now that I, now, now that I'm older, I feel like judging him would be wrong because I don't know the story. Um, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's but at the time as a kid, you're like, here's a guy one way at church on Sunday and here and preaching one thing and then a totally different thing actually behind the scenes. Yeah, and I, I knew just from growing up in the church, there had been issues with a couple of the people who were in leadership, but they had all been dealt with. Um, just because my parents were on the inside. I Like, if you're a regular church, you're not going to know any of this. Um, but, so it, it was it was weird, definitely. And so going on the trip with the people from that church that my dad had served at, that this man had served at, um, I wasn't a fan of I wasn't a fan of what they were preaching because I didn't see the action in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so you went on this trip to Salt Lake City, even though you didn't want to go with people that you really didn't like that much for this guy to get off your back. Is that fair to say? Pretty much. I mean, that is exactly that, that's why I went. I was like, All right, <laughs> if you'll shut up, I'll go. <laughs> I think those were my exact words to him. So, which is honest. So what what happened when you went? So we were we went to the first day, whatever. I was, whatever. I was out of it. I was high the whole time that first day. Um, we get there. You mean you were high, high like on marijuana, high yeah, or on marijuana. okay? <laughs> I was just clarifying for whoever's listening. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah. Yeah. So we go to the evening speaker. And I don't remember who it was or what he was actually talking about. But it's when 
Moses, God comes to Moses and says, you're going to free my people. And he just starts rattling off excuses. God's like, God would say something, not necessarily exactly what he had said to Moses, but something like that to me. And I would give an excuse. And we just went through the whole message like that. And like, by the end of the message, I'm like, what is going on? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't believe this stuff. I've, I've turned my back on it. And so then the guy is praying at the end of it. And I hear God say like audible voice. He's like, you're mine. You've been sanctified. (laughs) (laughs) Were you high? (laughs) No, I'd come down by this point. I mean, I was like stone sober and I had a chance to get back to my hotel to do anything yet. Yeah. So it's like, holy crap. And so that night, is when was my conversion that that is my birthday in christ mm. july 7th 1998 so yeah did you when you did hear that audible voice what was your reaction because here you'd been basically tell me if i'm getting this wrong but kind of living in this rebellious like no i'm not gonna do this just because people you know want me to and then all of a sudden you hear the voice of god and i mean were you angry were you like forget this or was it just like a thunderclap in your life i think it was a thunderclap but it wasn't like a shocking it was the most loving comforting voice i'd ever heard if I wasn't in the situation I was in, knowing what I, growing up in the church, I would, I would have thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. But I knew that it was God. Like, it was mm-hmm. God. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind to this day. What do you say to people who've never heard the voice of God like that? Because I know there's a lot of believers who have never heard his voice audibly. Um I, I'm just curious because I think there I've had definitely had conversations with people before where they'll say stuff like, I would believe if God spoke to me like that, you know, and it's almost like, Lord, if you're real, you know, prove yourself to me kind of thing sometimes. And so do you ever encounter that when sharing that story? Do people ever ask you like, or, or express jealousy that they haven't been able to hear the voice of God like that? Yeah. Um, I had a youth kid. A, a teenager asked me once when I gave my testimony, why doesn't God talk to me like that? Mm-hmm. And my answer is, I don't know. God chooses to communicate how he chooses to communicate. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he spoke to me. I don't know why he gives some people visions and others not. I don't know why he allows somebody to be the instrument to heal someone and the same person who was praying for that their entire life doesn't get it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah so you you had this happen and so you went back to your room and you were like i surrender is that (laughs) i give up i'm like all right i'm done um throughout i had probably two quarter ounces of weed and threw them out and Hmm. broke my pipe threw that out and i haven't looked back since and wow so just yeah. like that. Yeah. Wow. I can say it wasn't difficult, but. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. 
So then, how old were you when that happened? Oh gosh, freshman year. 14 or 15? 14 or 15. 14. 14. So then you decided to follow Jesus. Was that hard going back to, um, you mentioned your dad and uh, the church leadership, you know, feeling like there was a lot of hypocrisy there. Was it hard to suddenly embrace a faith that you had kind of equated to that, that hypocrisy? It wasn't hard to embrace the faith. It was hard to embrace the people in the faith. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It was difficult for me to go back to that church and sit there every Sunday and watch some of these people who growing up I respected, but now I've seen a different side of them, um, including my father. And so for the month and a half that we were still in Pennsylvania, I found a different church to go to. Mm-hmm. I was part of a different church for uh, probably two months and then we moved to Nebraska so okay and when you moved to Nebraska then did you guys find a church where you felt like you could belong yeah my dad started pastoring again and I stayed there Mm. had some good friends there some good solid Christian friends there so Mm. did you feel like your faith was challenged um during that season of between 14 and 18 when you're still at home and your dad now is pastoring again and I'm guessing is still working with his inner problems or issues at the same time were you ever tempted to be like uh screw this I heard the voice of God now I'm done (laughs) I mean I don't know honestly almost daily it was I mean in that Again, that leads us into this is why I think that's why I struggled so much with what we're going to talk about in a few minutes here. Um, yeah. So it, almost every day, I was like, why am I doing this? What did I get myself into? Yeah. Okay. Well, that that's a good segue. I did ask you, because you are a friend and we were at church, uh, outdoor church, um, you know, recently. And I saw you and I thought, man, you know, I've interviewed all these other local friends. And uh, I really do appreciate your wisdom, John. And I, I know um, I'm not a huge fan of the Enneagram, but I do know you like to research and like dig deep. And I really appreciate that, like knowing that about you, because when we have conversations about faith, which we've had a few, like, I know that even if I don't necessarily agree with your, uh, you know, whatever conclusion you've got, like, you've done a lot of searching for things and so when I approached you um, and you said well what question I just said you know something that you've wrestled with because I know that you do wrestle with things and um, so what question is it that you thought this is a question that I struggled with and I'd like to talk about it Uh, I think the question is I don't know who is God specifically God the Father Mm -hmm. Within Christianity, we talk about Jesus Christ, who is God the Son, the Holy Spirit, who is the indwelling presence and the helper and the counselor that comes. And then we have God the Father, who is pretty much, in the Old Testament, is pretty much all you see. If you're looking at it just the Old Testament, um, having an earthly father that wasn't the greatest and who was kind of antithetical to God who God is, I, I was seeing God the Father through 
the lens of my father. And I think all of us do that to some extent. We see God the father as our dads were. Good, bad, ugly, whatever. Um, so I think this is this is probably outside of coming to the faith, this was the biggest struggle I had um, growing up. And it took, well, I became a Christian in 98, went to two years of Bible school. So 2002, because it was after I got married before I even settled into, okay, this is who God is. This is the biblical, correct view of who God is. Um, mm -hmm. And there were steps along the way going there. Um, I think the first one is realizing that God is not my father. Like my earthly father is not God, and like they're not not even remotely equivalent. Yeah, I. It's interesting that when you mentioned this was the question you wanted to talk about. I know. Um, I think it's okay for me to talk about this, but you know, my my mom came to faith um, when she was sixteen years old. And her earthly father never once said, I love, I love you to her here on this earth. And um, it was a major heart wound, you know. And um, like even talking about God as father has been uh, historically. And I think she's, I mean, obviously gone through a lot of healing. And my mom, you know, she loves the Lord with all her heart. But um, it's been a deep uh wound it's hard for her even to hear that god is a father because of the way that her own father treated her you know like she was useless like nothing and so um i know that there's people um who have that same like what you're talking about and i i think man like the hypocrisy not that it's worse but it's just it's so ugly right because we're meant to be light and then to have and and we all i mean i don't want to like what you were saying earlier, you know, we all struggle with different things. You know, I know that I'm not a perfect parent by any means, you know, but it's, it is such a, what you're saying about how we equate who God is with our earthly fathers. It's so true. And for people who might be listening, whose dads um, didn't love them the way that maybe they could have or should have here on earth. How did you work through that? Um, yeah. Um, well, like I said, it, this was not, this was a slow progression. I, I think the first part of it was actually reading the Bible. I mean, mm. seeing the character of God. Um, and it, it was my sophomore year of high school where the first time I read the Bible front to back, straight through. Um, and just seeing how God works and God moves and realizing that he's not the same person that my, my earthly father is not that that changed anything about how I felt about God, um, God, the father, uh, but that was the starting point. Um, and then when I went to college, I went to a small conservative Christian school in Omaha and there were two like pivotal points for me in that I was in a theology one of my theology classes we had we were asking a lot of questions of our professor and was like let's just meet for lunch sometime and so there's about eight of us who went and met with him and he's like we're gonna read through these three books over the next year and one of them was John Calvin 
the the complete works of John Calvin, which um, I can't remember the third, the second one, and the third one was A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy, mm. and his succinct and like on point breakdown of the characteristics of God was like, okay, that was a light bulb moment reading that book. Well, there are a lot of light bulb moments reading that book, but that book really started to solidify in me who God the Father is. And then going back to the Bible and lining up with what the what he said with the Bible. Is this really true? Is this what is true about God? And then the second point, and this is probably the most solidifying point time in my life about who God was. I took a class on Genesis and we had to do a 40 page term paper at the end of the class. And he's like, I'll let you pick whatever topic it has to be in Genesis. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm going to do Genesis one, like one through three. <laughs> and he's like, probably going to want to narrow that down a little bit. I'm like, it's three verses. He's like, yeah. He's like, just narrow it down a little bit. He's like, try starting with Genesis one. Hmm. I'm like, Okay. And so I started doing the research. I started doing an insane amount of research. And by the time I got to done with in the beginning, God, I had 97 note cards. Wow. And when I put it on paper, it ended up being like 60 pages. I think in Western Christianity and in modern Christianity as a whole, we have this idea that in the beginning, God is just a afterthought it's like okay god created them like it's just a footnote or something we don't pay attention to it but when you really dig into that statement that is the foundational statement for everything that comes after it mm-hmm. all the way to revelations all the way to the end of time it's the foundation of who god is and as i researched it and as i was studying it um the word for god there that is used for god there is elohim which is the plural form of God. Most, all Christian scholars, all conservative Christian scholars, I should say, say when God is pluralized like that by itself, and it's referring to the God of the Bible, the plurality is for emphasis. But as I dug and as I researched, I actually found out that within the Jewish Jewish culture, even to this day, there is a pretty hefty debate on what that actually means. Hmm. Um, so some say it's it's the emphasis of that it's it's god it's god of gods some say that there's that it refers some jewish scholars say that it refers to the trinitarian the christian trinitarian version of god meaning that god was going to send his son they don't necessarily agree with all the holy spirit but that it was for there are some jewish scholars more in the past than now for sure that believe that when he said gods, he meant gods. Like there was God and then there were little gods. Um, now I think for the most part that's gone away, but the fact that that debate was had and that it was a pretty hefty debate, especially I want to say in like the 300, 400s, what Josephus was writing, he even mentions it in some of his writings about that, the, the debate going on about Genesis 1. Hmm. So just the fact that that was so like hotly debated but then again taking that to other parts of scripture and um, when it gives the ten commandments 
I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. That is, I am Elohim, you shall have no other Elohim before me. Hmm. Um, what did you make of it then, John? What did you think of Elohim being used there? Elohim, it, it, it's the, it's, well, it's, I, I believe it's two things. I believe it's emphasis that God is God, like he's the God above all gods. I also believe it's an, an allusion to the Trinity. Hmm. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds because I don't think this is, <laughs> the paper itself is not the point. The point is it solidified the fact that what God says about himself is true. Hmm. And so when he says something about us, because he is the creator of everything, um, of time, of matter, of space, he created everything. Okay, so you just touched on something that I think... Um... Oh, man, there's so many ways I could go about asking some of these questions. Let's start with what you just said. He created everything. Um, that's always been, if I'm being honest, a question that I've had. Like, okay, God created everything. Uh, you know, d did he create evil? And so uh, is that ever a question that you struggled with as you were researching all of that or as you were reading um the Old Testament, because I know, having read the Old Testament, there's a lot of, yes, there's love, um, but there's also wrath. So did you feel, did you ever question God's character as you were looking at some of that research? Um, at this point, no, because at, so I had done the knowledge of the holy and then the next year is when I went to this. So looking back, knowing, like reading, having that basic of the character of God, who Tozer said was God. And there were some other books I ended up reading about it. Um, Piper writes a really good one about the character of Christ, which is pretty parallel, actually, to Tozer's. Um, John Piper? Yeah, I cannot remember the name of the book right now, but it's a really good book. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. And then, so having that base, having that knowledge of and it's not even the knowledge. Not it's not like having the head knowledge. It's having the epiphany, or like the understanding, and working that into my life that this is who God is. And the other part of that is one of the definitions of evil is the absence of God, the absence mm -hmm. of goodness, the absence of light. So it's the absence of all of those things. God is all those things. And while God is all powerful, there's certain things He cannot do because it's outside of His character. I shouldn't say he cannot. He will not do because it's outside of his character. He will not create the absence of himself. Yeah. So when Lucifer decided to rebel against God, that was that did not that in itself did not come from God. He chose to be God, mm -hmm. and that's where evil came from. Yeah. So for those who are listening who aren't familiar with the uh, name Lucifer, another name for Satan. Is that right? The devil? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, he rebelled, and by rebelling and choosing other than God, that's not something that God created. For somebody who's sitting there thinking, well, God created, you know, all of those horrible things. And the demons, they were originally angels. Is that right? Who who followed uh, Satan out of heaven. And I mean, it's... <laughs> When, I, when I'm doing this podcast, I'm always trying to put myself in a skeptic's place. And I'm always thinking, I would have a lot of questions about this, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
because there are. But I think something that I really appreciate appreciate about your story, John, um, and I, I think that it's a real struggle um, for a lot of people, is you, when you had questions about God's character, you went to Scripture uh, for the answers. And even when you were reading supplemental material like A.W. Tozer's book or, you know, John Calvin, you wouldn't take it just at their word. You took it uh, and compared it to what scripture actually said. And there's a lot of people, um, and I know that this episode will air before um, this one, but I, I spoke to some people who host a podcast called Apologetic Simplified, where we were talking about you know, whether we can trust the Bible and all that. But it feels like there's a lot of people who want to follow Jesus who aren't necessarily sure that the Bible is actually true or that don't hold it as high in regard as other works or other books, supplemental material. And you were talking about getting into the weeds. Well, then if you don't have the Bible to anchor you, a lot of times you can get way off. I mean, so far off, even from Christian authors and so I'm just wondering what compelled you to stick with the Bible um, and to make that your your foundation in terms of God's character. That, that That's actually also a lot of studying, a lot of digging, a lot of reading, and a lot of talking to biblical critics. And a biblical critic is someone who looks at the original languages and interprets them. So when we have a new interpretation most of the time it comes from biblical critics who are experts in language, experts in knowledge, talking to a lot of them, and just the overwhelming evidence for the Bible, the amount of manuscripts, the amount of um, matching manuscripts. There are more manuscripts for the Bible than any other text. So, and people say, well, there, with all those manuscripts, there's more room for error. Well, from a textual critic's standpoint and from a logical standpoint, the more manuscripts you have, the less chance there is for error because you're going to notice when there are errors and where the, those errors are because you have so many things to draw from. Mm. And from an apologetic standpoint, that's where I'm coming from, but there's also an element of this that's faith. It has, there has to be an element of faith. You can argue statistics, numbers, history, all you want, but there is always going to be an element of faith. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is the Christian faith, is it not? Yeah. So. Yeah. But you, even as a young man, chose to stay anchored to your Bible. I mean, and then going into college, going, okay, I'm not going to just take A.W. Tozer's view of it uh, at face value. I'm going to actually dig deeper. Was that because at that point you did hold the Bible in such high regard or innately did you just know like if I want if I have questions about who God is I'm going to go to the word of God when I started it was okay these guys are writing about what's in the Bible mm-hmm. and if what they say doesn't line up with the Bible how can I trust what they're saying right with the understanding that the I not at that time but now when I do this with the understanding that the only perfect text the only perfect word of God is the Bible. So there are going to be flaws in people's writings. I mean, yeah. you gotta, you, we're going to have to accept that as we move on. That doesn't mean it's not good. That doesn't mean it's not edifying. That doesn't mean they're not following God. That just means because it's not the God given, it's not from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And 
God didn't write it. It's there. We can't be perfect because we're right. flawed until we mm-hmm. go home. Yeah. So, um, what did you find when you were looking into the character of God? What stood out to you the most about who he is? I think, and I think I drew, this comes from the combination of those two things, the, the, the Tozer book and the research I did in Genesis 1. You can't extract something or elevate a character of God. So like God is love, God is righteous, God is just, God is merciful. Take all of the attributes written in the Bible. I want to say there's like, 16 i could be completely off on that number but you take all the attributes of that god said what god says is true about himself you if you take one away you're not worshiping god the father and this sounds kind of dogmatic but it's true because god emphasizes certain things about himself he tells us certain things about himself if they're not true we're not he's not god if we if we take one over uh, over another if we elevate love or justice that seem to be the two biggest things right now about God. You have one side that's saying God is a just God. God is a righteous God. And they're elevating that above everything else. That's not right. You have another side that says God is love. Okay, yes, God is love, but that's not his only attribute. You have to take into account everything else because God is love. He is just because God is just. He is loving. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I actually, I want to pull up a quote here because um, I had Josh White on this program uh, recently, and um, he, it was so interesting because I actually pulled this quote out and I thought that it was so good. So I wanted to read it to you and I wanted to get your response on it because um, it was it really stood out to me, and I actually really strongly agree with it, so I'd love to get your, your take on it. Um, he said, he was talking about the character of God. He said, justice is not what he is. Justice is an attribute. The only attribute that actually speaks to God's essence is love, and his justice serves his love. And when I say love, I mean a love that we can't truly comprehend because it's what we call grace. It's the love that loves the unlovable and has literally nothing to do with us. So do you, do you agree with that? Or do you feel like that's contradicting what you, what you're saying? Um, I don't agree with that because God says he is, he is just, he doesn't say I am justice or I, I am a just God. He says, I am just, he says, I am love. Um, When you take those statements, he is just, he is love. He's also a God that's full of wrath, a God that's full of vengeance. Okay. Those are attributes. I, now, you can't say that God is wrath, is vengeance. I mean, you could, I, but it doesn't say in the Bible that God is wrath. He's, it says he's full of wrath. He's full of vengeance. But in the Bible, it says, I am just. I, God is love. So in, in that aspect, no, I don't, I don't agree with that statement. Um, and that to me is is an example of taking love and elevating it to that's the only thing that matters about god mm-hmm. so the attributes of god so it's like a prism think about it like a prism you have white light you shine it through a prism you see the color the spectrum of colors right if you take one of those things away you no longer have white light mm-hmm. so you yeah <laughs> but do you think i guess that maybe 
and I, maybe I'm taking what he said out of context, but do you think that what he, what God does shine to the world? I mean, I know uh, most of us are familiar with John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Do you think love is the driving force behind what he does? That he created the world out of love and, and that all the other things, all the other things that are part of his character are serving his love. I think all the other things that are part of his character are serving his love, but his love is also serving his justice. His love is also serving his righteousness. This is one of the so when you say that love is the driving force, you're forgetting about the wrath of God. You're forgetting about why Jesus was actually sent to the cross. That had, that He wasn't sent to, the, sent to the cross for love's sake. He was sent to the cross for justice's sake. Like The reason Christ was crucified was because there, there was a debt that had to be paid. That is justice. Okay? So yes, love is, he, he was a loving God in doing it, but the reason he went to the cross was to pay the debt of our sins. Mm-hmm. Was to def- go ahead. But if he didn't love us, he wouldn't have done it. But if he wasn't just, he wouldn't have done it either. You're right. Right. Yeah. I, I think just having interviewed both him and you, I actually think that uh, what you're saying is very similar. It's just it maybe different. But I think um, also you both are big fans of or fans of A.W. Tozer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, which, by the way, I think now that I've heard it multiple times, I may have to actually read one of his books. I think it was uh, the one you were mentioning that um, was highly recommended for all believers. Some A.W. Tozer book. I don't know. I can't remember. But he's written yeah. so many. Um, Knowledge of the Holy is probably his most well-known one, though. That might have been it. Um but anyway, I hear what you're saying, and I think it is so important because when we do elevate something, if we say God is love and then we ignore, you know, the harder things, right, the justice, the wrath, or, um, you know, the holy, we we take what we like and we get rid of the rest, and then we make God into our own image instead of worshiping his image, which is, you know, totally set apart, Um but I, I guess, yeah, maybe it is a disagreement. But I, I do, I do believe that God, God chose to come because of His love. Um, but anyway, in in learning all this about God's character, and was there any ever a point where you were like, oh, I don't, I don't like all of this about God's character? Because I think, especially in reading the Old Testament, there's parts where it's sometimes, you know, Brian and I will try to read our our Bible every morning together and. I'll look at him and he'll look at me and we'll go, what was that? <laughs> like, what, what does this mean about God? You know, did you ever feel like that? Or because, and maybe it's, it's interesting, you know, that God did speak to you audibly, John, because you do when I, I can imagine that when you have an experience like that, his holiness and his otherness isn't a question anymore. Like, you know who's in charge. You know what I mean? Like, so do you ever feel like you have those questions? And if so, do you wrestle with God with them? Or do you just accept them because you do have maybe a a higher regard for his holiness than maybe other people who haven't experienced that? Um, I I, I wrestle with it a lot. Um, I've wrestled in the past more with the wrath of God and 
the righteousness of God, not in that he's not righteous, please. not in that he's not righteousness, righteous, but in that um, he's so righteous that he cannot be within the presence of sin. Hmm. And we are all fallen beings. And I know what that's, I know that's what salvation's about. I know that's God came, he sent his son to cover us in his blood so that he, we could be in his presence. I, I, I understand that. But I also, I have friends who aren't Christians. I have people who matter to me greatly who aren't Christians. And knowing, knowing about the righteousness and, of God and what it is and how he is righteous. That's another thing. God says he is righteous. It's hard sometimes to accept that. Um, another another thing that I've always struggled with is in the Bible, it says God hates. Okay, if God is love, how can he hate? Even if it's something so deplorable. Um, and the, I still struggle with this, don't get me wrong. I still struggle with the hate. I still struggle with the vengefulness of God. I still struggle with the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. But I've come to realize that when I'm struggling with those things, I'm projecting human attributes on God. When we're talking about the attributes of God, something we have to remember, one of the things we have to remember is God is perfect. God is all everything. So he is perfect. So when God loves, he loves perfectly. When God is, God is perfectly just. He is perfectly vengeful. He's, he hates perfectly. If you can imagine that. I mean, think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I struggle with that. But because he is perfect, all of those things are done in perfection. And when I'm struggling with them, I at least in my life, I'm not going to say it's about everybody. When I'm struggling with them, I am projecting my, like, saying, like, I'm righteous. Like, that's what I'm thinking about when I'm struggling with it. Like, I'm righteous. And I'm not. I'm not righteousness. The only reason I'm righteousness is because of what Jesus did on the cross and resurrection. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I struggle with those. I struggle with those things a lot. But at the same time, knowing, again, knowing the character of God helps. Mm-hmm. Knowing that he is perfect and that his, his judgments are perfect. Mm. So. so what kind of advice would you give to somebody listening who is struggling in that? Who is feeling like, man, I, you know, I want to trust God, but I'm not sure. Uh, I like his character when I read through scripture, or I'm not sure that I can trust him. What, what advice would you give as someone who has struggled with some of those things? I would say first and foremost is if you believe scripture, you need to believe that God is who he says he is. And one of the things that God does say in the Bible is that he is love. Okay. I'm not going to argue that. I agree with it. So you know that he's love and you know that, in his justice, he is loving. In his righteousness, he is loving. In his, even in his wrath, which, by the way, is at least temporarily put on hold because of what happened at the cross. Hmm. The wrath of God was satisfied on the cross. Um, so, but in those things, he is loving. All of his attributes work together. Like, you can't, again, you can't separate one from the others. You can't elevate one above the others. Um, now, I will say this, love is one of his defining attributes because he makes it one of his defining attributes. Just know God is who he says he is, and when God says he is love, he is love. Um, mm. 
I think that is the biggest takeaway I have. Like, that's the biggest piece of advice I would have from someone, for someone who's starting with us. Start with love. Start with the attributable. Start with who God says he is. And like I said, that is one of his defining, well, that is one of his defining attributes because he's, he's made it one of his defining attributes. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll take a stake and say that's, uh, I, I agree with Josh White. <laughs> But I do, I do think what you're saying, though, John, is very valuable because I think so often we want to dismiss the things that don't don't feel good, and he is holy and set apart even in all of these things. And if we don't, if we don't get into scripture, if we don't read for ourselves, if we don't search for ourselves, if we don't wrestle for ourselves, then we just take whatever somebody else wants to tell us, whatever our itching ears, you know, scripture says, whatever our itching ears want to hear, you know, we'll become lovers of ourselves and um, just hear these different things that sound good. And if you're listening right now and you're struggling with the idea that God can hate or that there's wrath or that there's judgment or any of these things, do look to scripture. I, I strongly believe the story from, you know, Genesis to Revelation is a story of God's deep love for the world and also a revelation of who he is right and uh i mean would you disagree with that john you're like you no i like you might no i don't <laughs> i don't just i don't disagree with that as a revelation of his it's 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 a love story it is a love story i mean let's face it he calls yeah. the church his pride so there there is it is a love story it's god's love for humanity and i i I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying that we have to see God. We have to see God as the God of the scripture. Yeah. Meaning. Yeah. And when I say God's love is one of his defining elements, it is. He has made that one of the key, one of the key things throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. Another one of those, though, is righteousness. Another one of those yeah. is justice. Um, yeah. So I don't disagree that it's a love story, but we have to see him as he is portrayed in scripture. Yeah. Meaning, yes, God is a loving God. And again, it's one of his key elements. And when it says God hates, that's it's said once in the entire Bible. So don't focus on that. That's not like, that's not one of the big three. It's not even the biggest. It's not even close to the top of the list. You know what I'm saying? What, what does it say? Where does it say it? What does he hate, John? <laughs> it says there's seven things God detests. And it goes, or hates, the word there is hate. And it yeah. goes into the seven deadly sins. Mm. But the fact is God still hates. Does that, does that make sense? Like, yeah. And I've struggled with that so much. And I, what he hates, he hates because of his righteousness. He hates because he loves us because it destroys us. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I was, I was just doing um, an Instagram live yesterday and uh, it was so funny. I thought it was funny. I don't know. <laughs> um, we found packs of cigarettes hidden in our walls, um, you know, because the previous owners had teenage sons who had gone and gotten a bunch at uh, one of the Native American reservations and hidden them up in the ceiling where their parents couldn't get to them. <laughs> and so we found out this story by, like, talking with a neighbor who called the original owners. So we've been doing some remodeling, and my husband went and found another pack of cigarettes. We had thrown all the other ones away. And I was about to throw them away. And then I remembered, I thought, man, this would be a really great visual. Because I remember as a young person holding on to a pack of cigarettes just in case I wanted to get 
addicted because I thought, I know, I know. I thought, you know what? Uh, it feels good to smoke. Um, if you're listening, by the way, you never try a cigarette. Don't. This is an endorsement of it. But I remember like lighting, lighting up, you know, as a teenager and thinking, oh, this is soothing. And um, the last time I smoked was, I think the last time I smoked was when I broke up with my boyfriend in college and I smoked a fast, like I, I smoked it really fast. So I thought if I ever want to get addicted, I'm going to keep this pack of cigarettes and then I can get addicted if I want. And um, I was sharing yesterday on the Instagram live that, you know, sometimes we have these ideas of things just in case to give us a fix, you know, just in case, um, you know, whether it's chocolate or alcohol or, you know, cigarettes or whatever it is, marijuana, um, you know, just in case I need something. And meanwhile, it's like all these things that cause if, if you have too much of it or even a little bit of it, it's it's not good for you. You know, it's not healthy and God doesn't want that for us. And it's not uh, it's not going to bring us closer to him. It's going to pull us further away and hurt our bodies and hurt our minds and all these other things. So anyway, I, I agree with you. I think that a lot of times we jump to conclusions about, you know, God's judgment and his hate of things that are, pull us further away from him. But the truth is God's a jealous God who desires us to surrender to him. And not to all these other things that grab for our attention. Anyway, that was a tangent, but it related well, to what you said. So it's true. It's, I mean, it's true. And, and jealousy is another thing. Like we think of jealousy as a negative emotion, but God says several times in the Bible, He is a jealous God. So yeah, yeah. Well, I want to um, ask you a couple final questions, and then we'll wrap this up. But um, any practical resources that have helped you really um, just kind of narrow in on embracing the character of God or and getting to that place where you're like, wow, this is who God is. And I can just stand, um, you know, basking in his holiness. Like, I don't know, something for someone listening who might be struggling with the character of God. Um, knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer definitely is, I'd say that's one of the best resources out there. I mean, there are, there are lots of books. Um, mm -hmm. I just think Tozer's is the most succinct and the most, it's short. I mean, it's an easy, I shouldn't say it's an easy read. He uses big words, but it's a quick read. Um, yeah. So, and then he, yeah, he also, those are also his, his they're his sermons. Those, the chapters are his sermons on the attributes of God. So there's a website, and I'll have to find it for you, that has his, all of his sermons, either audio or, there are a few audio ones. Most of them are written down, though, and they have his sermon notes on. And so that really helps, too. Okay. And then as far as a book of the Bible that really just reveals God's character, what would you suggest? Um, two, Old Testament, I would read Genesis. I mean, that is, like I said, every major theological point, every major, every major theme in the Bible has its roots in Genesis, every Genesis. And then the Gospel of John, um, and that is about his love. Mm. So, yeah. See, I'm going to cause you to go research this and then tell me next time whether you agree with us, too. I'll look into it, but I... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd be curious to know what you think after you... Anyway, uh, I'll, we can I'll talk listen about to the podcast and then... You should. I. You know what? I we The reason I invited Josh White on was because we had gone to Cannon Beach and he was the speaker there. 
and he spoke for five days straight about the gospel as Jesus preached it from the cross. And he took one statement, talking back to like what you were saying about, uh, you know, just pulling apart those few lines in Genesis. He took one statement each night that Jesus said from the cross and pulled out the gospel message. And it was so powerful. It was like, oh my gosh, it was so good. Um, so anyway, that's an endorsement of, uh, I, nobody's perfect. We're all human beings, except for God, right? So we're all yeah. imperfect human beings trying to understand his perfection and all these different things that we can debate about. I just think, um, yeah, it, it was very powerful. And it, it touched me deeply to to consider Christ's love for us on the cross as he was dying. So anyway, John, final question. I ask all my guests on the Finding Something Real podcast this question. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love of those four or five attributes that we can find in relationship with Christ. Which of those stand out to you the most in your life right now and why? Authenticity is just the the realness of who God is in my life, the realness of who God is to other people. Um, yeah. And obviously you're very authentic and you're very open and I appreciate <laughs> that very much. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on here and just being real and sharing things that God has sh- uh, showed you. I think this is an important conversation because when we try to make God into our own image, he's, he's a weak God yep. and that's not who he is, you know? And I, I just see a lot of not just, you know, skeptics and seekers, but a lot of my fellow believers mm-hmm. who have started creating this God out of nothing that's found in scripture, but everything found in this person's New York times bestseller, or this thing over here, or this feeling here. And yeah, I, I really believe in what you're saying. And um, even though we might not agree on every single point, yeah. I think that it's really valuable. And uh, yeah, if you're, if you're listening right now and you have an opinion on this, feel free to direct message me and I'll make sure that John hears everything. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. You're telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, If you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. 
I pray you believe it.